0: Welcome to It's All About the Questions. We're learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist Laura Stewart.
1: See me but now you can. And see it was evening, it was dark, but it was only dark cuz my hand didn't click the link fast enough. But that is the beauty of live streaming. When I was on broadcast radio for 5 years, you know, the craziest things would happen when you're going live and you just learn to roll with it because that really is what life is all about, right? It's about rolling with it and asking yourself some questions that help you figure out how to not repeat mistakes. Like I didn't click the link to bring my video back on camera. For those of you listening on podcast only, not watching the live stream or the video that has been played, You're like, what the heck is she talking about? Everything seemed totally fine because really it is all from your unique perspective that you are listening, watching, or doing something. And that's why I created this show is to help you shift your perspectives and learn new perspectives because... The perspectives we build up over life come from the people we meet and the experiences we have. But what if you could get some great new experiences, meet some amazing people from around the world without having to try to figure out who it is you need to meet? So I get to bring you every week some of the most amazing people I have encountered in my life and in my business and share with you their expertise, their wisdom that they've learned in the trenches and over their lifetimes. And today is no exception. And I love this one because I met this gentleman because of Terry Brock and Gina Carr. So Terry loves this device that um, my guest Dan Kelson invented called the Plexicam. And it loops over your screen to put your camera right in the middle so that you can look at your viewers when they're doing a live stream with you. So I'm looking right into the camera, but I'm also looking at what's on my screen at the same time. So I wanna bring my guest onto the show. He's an amazing man. Not only has he created an incredible invention called the Plexicam, but he has a, a virtual events company, he's written books. I mean, he is just an amazing entrepreneur and an amazing human being. And I get to bring him here with you today Dan Kelson, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> it's it's really great to have you on because, you know, when I got my Plexicam, I ordered it and you could probably hold one up because you have ones on your desk oh, and I everything have multiple, like multiple. Yeah,
0: here we go. <laughs> oh, so, the camera fell off.
1: <laughs> this simple device defeated me
0: <laughs> Yes.
1: <laughs> when I first got it in the mail. And I went, I know I'm doing something wrong, probably because my hand wasn't quite working really well and Dan I sent an email out to support and next thing I know Dan you responded and you're like hey you want to get on a call let me walk you through it and in two seconds you made me realize oh my god why didn't I think of that (laughs) (laughs) and and here we are today because I had to have you on the show
0: yeah Um, yeah and time flies it was only what three weeks ago or so two weeks yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah. And and I've been using it since and so many people want to get it now because they see what I've been doing with it. And they're like, this is so cool. And it's simplicity to me mm. and is what makes it so amazing. How do you come up with something like this? The average entrepreneur, right? The average person goes, Oh, I need to open an envelope and they don't come up with something like this. Right. They take their <laughs> butter knife. right? But then the, People who come up with stuff like this, they they become millionaires, right? Because it's the simplest things. <laughs> we'll see. Tent, right? yeah. Simple things are yeah, the ones true. that are right in front of our face. Yeah. Everybody's going to want this.
0: I don't know if everybody. I'd be I'd be happy with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, so I, I didn't I didn't create it. So I, I have a business partner, uh, Tom Kolopoulos, who I've known since 1994 when I first started working for his company, Delphi Group at the time, or Delphi Consulting before we rebranded. And uh, we've been longtime collaborators. We haven't worked side by side that entire time, but um, we got to know each other. Uh, we first worked together for about 13 years uh, through an acquisition by Perot Systems, which is a- another interesting story potentially but um we're both inventive guys uh i don't particularly come from an entrepreneurial background nobody in my family is really entrepreneurial but being in a startup i was like employee number 12 or so for delphi fairly early into the game and uh i i I didn't know any better i just you know fresh out of college i jumped into what do we need to do (laughs) and let's make it happen and uh you know more or less accidentally learned about entrepreneurism because it was required and and i was hungry and thankfully I had a lot of energy uh, as a much younger man and i kept saying yes to everything that got thrown at me and volunteering for things and uh, that sort of fired up my desire to to learn and do all sorts of things um, fast forwarding tom has always been a tinkerer so he's He's very handy. He has a very impressive workshop in his basement, and uh, he actually fo- forgot this. We were we were busy packing up orders last week. Uh, we had a massive day, which was awesome, um, and I was like, "So, step me again through why, why did Plexicam come about?" And he had actually forgotten that like ten years ago, he had created a a totally different approach to this, and super hacky (laughs) not not good looking not a commercial product but he had done this years ago as a way to like how do i get my camera so i don't need i don't need to have a teleprompter and i can just put it where i'm going to be looking anyhow which is a screen and it worked but it was not it was not good and he had had actually forgotten about that until i reminded him but he started the design that went through a whole bunch of really ugly designs (laughs) before he got to what we sell now like December 2019. So it was right before the pandemic opened up Pandora's box and we were both okay. So travel's gone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Should we, we've, we've sold physical things like market research, but not in CD ROMs back in the day when we sold research on CD ROMs, but we didn't, we'd never had a physical product company. So he said, I think this could potentially be something let's play around and, see where it goes. And what do you know? It turns out it's it's a good idea. <laughs> people love it. It's so simple and so non-high tech, which is very strange because we're both high tech people, but um, it's been a wild ride.
1: <laughs> well, you know, being a geek, one of the things that I've learned is that most of the time you don't need a geek solution
0: mm, yeah. to
1: solve a lot of the problems. Right. It's the, the simple things that can solve it like a tripod for a light, you know, you, right. you don't need to create electronic lights and this and that most of the time, you know, or putting a book underneath your monitor
0: right. <laughs> to, yeah. to
1: raise it up. It, it solves the problem. It may not look as great as your, all of your, um, monitor arms and all those other <laughs> things, but right. it, it solves the problem. Yes. Now y- you talked about teleprompters, right? Mm-hmm. I know when I've filmed some different things and I needed to have notes, I've tried 30 billion, well, that's an exaggeration, but (laughs) I've tried a lot of teleprompter (laughs) apps, right? Right. And the most frustrating part is they're always over here or over there or underneath, or you try to put them above. So you're never like looking right where you need to. And it takes a lot of skill so that like when the president's reading off a teleprompter or a newscaster is reading off a teleprompter that it looks like they're looking right at the camera. Right. Yep. And why is it important for that? I mean, you're in this business with events and everything else. What's why is it important for the person to be think looking like you're looking at them.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a human thing. We're always, we're scanning for danger and we're scanning for friends. Uh, we're scanning for opportunities. And uh, you know, I, I don't remember the stats, but you know, most of our information, most of our brain is focused on visual content uh, which has been exploited <laughs> for, for a long time. That's why Hollywood exists. You know, that's why all the, all the stuff where things explode all the time and there's constant movement uh, takes advantage of that. And what happened, you know, until last year, the vast majority, now, now everybody, you know, toddlers and 115 year olds know Zoom and they've probably used Zoom on a regular basis, right? But it, you know, 15 months ago, 90% of those people had never heard of Zoom. They'd never right. done a video call of any kind or a video conference. So everybody was just thrown into it and we had to do something. Thankfully, the internet is at the state that it's, it's at now. Zoom was six years into their journey or so. And is far easier to use than traditional things like WebEx and GoToMeeting and all those. So it's the the bar has been lowered to entry, but most people are still not. It's not natural to look at a camera, right? I mean, we're no, we're, we're training generations to do that. And selfies, good or bad, uh, but it's not a normal. It's just not an, a normal experience. And there's I a reason why. I take such
1: bad selfies. I, I yeah. don't get how people look good on selfies. <laughs> I, I
0: yeah, use filters. I understand that works wonders. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm
1: going to look like a cat or or a bunny or I. I yeah, I just cat. don't. Get Why not?
0: It. Yeah, I wish I had the cat filter because that um, you know I'm not a lawyer, but uh, that that was pretty funny a couple of weeks that ago. That was
1: hysterical. <laughs> that truly was hysterical, and thankfully the court understood, and you know they finally figured it out. But
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's pretty funny. But the, that, that eye-to-eye contact, uh, you know, I mean, most, if you, any given Zoom webinar, you're probably looking at people who are looking like this, or they're looking like this, or they're looking over here, or they're looking up. I mean, part of the problem is that um, the camera on laptops, which is sort of the default, you know, computing device that people are using, it's at the wrong place. You know, the camera's up above, unless you can go cross-eyed, or you have spider eyes, or some sort of capability that I don't personally have you can't simultaneously look up at the little green dot and then also down on the screen where the person is in Zoom right. or, or whatever and um and teleprompter solutions I mean so I, I have a teleprompter in the other room but you know if you're going to have a teleprompter you need a, a big old tripod this thing right. takes a lot of space this is like you know I've got a half dozen different tripods, because this is my life. But, uh, you know, this takes up a ton of space. This is like a $100, $150, which is a relatively inexpensive tripod. Yeah. Um, you know, but as soon as you start really looking at, I need a tripod to hold the teleprompter, the teleprompter is fragile because of the glass that's mirrored on one side and not on the other. I need, if I'm gonna spend all that money and effort to get all that together, I should have a better camera. You're easily talking $1,000 right? To do that. Okay. And should we really have to do that <laughs> just to be able to look professional on a camera? I mean, it's, it's kind of insane. So I, I usually tell people that I'm, I'm a frugal guy, which means I, I like to buy quality and I'd rather buy once ideally. And the design that, uh, that Tom and I came up with here is really, it's meant to be very flexible. It's like the Lego kit of, uh, the sort of un-tripod is usually how I de- you know, describe it it's, just, it's you know you can take all these pieces apart and put another shelf on top to put a put a light you yeah, can somewhere add I have piece. my other shelf yeah yeah well and that's you know, so imagine yeah most of our clients they ended up buying several plexicams because they the the trend is monitors are getting bigger they're getting cheaper they're getting faster everything about it um so your future everybody listening <laughs> is a lot of screens or at least one big screen it sort of depends on what you're doing but um you know this you can the one of the things that people like about plexicam is you can take um you can take it and you know normally it's it's on your screen so i have one that's on a 32 inch screen in front of me and when you're not using it you just move it over to the side and it still stays so then it's, it's very convenient, you know, there we are back in place and then it's off to the side and I can go look at spreadsheets or, or whatever it is that uh, that I need to do during the day. And that means that you get a lot more mileage out of all the equipment that you already have that doesn't have to be specialized.
1: I think that the next thing you need to pray to create in the Plexican line is for those of us who when we're not using the camera we want to take it literally off the camera, but we don't want to put it down on the floor. So like a little mm. holder.
0: Oh, yeah. Like a head, headphone stand?
1: Yeah, like a headphone stand for the PlexiCam.
0: Hmm. Do you mind if I make a note about that?
1: Please do, because <laughs> I want one. <laughs> because sometimes I, you know, I, I need to look at a certain portion of the screen where I've moved it off from where I am, and then it's like, okay, now I got to move it again. And yep. being sort of challenged one hand right now, I'm right, like, I ended up putting it on the desk, right? And that's annoying because now I've lost, you know, surface and area and I'm worried about knocking the camera and yeah, and, the cables and stuff. So, yeah, that would be really cool. Okay, a, a cool. This is, so, and
0: it. this is why, you know, this is why I, I talk to either prospective clients or or actual clients all all day every day um because it's uh you know the the feedback that we get from other people who are using it who have not had the benefit of staring at this concept for nine months or several years or or whatever things that are obvious to you like why didn't you do this well because we didn't think about it
1: (laughs) yeah well i want to talk about um a couple of things that you know we talked about your your creative process and how much just now it means to hear from the users and right. how that changes. I mean, when you and I were going through the process of I'm, I'm having trouble getting it level. I, it doesn't make sense why. And then you're like, Oh, flip it upside down so that right. the shelf you're, you're putting it on top of the little shelf versus connecting it bottom yep. up. Right. And, To me, those are interesting perspective-like things, right? Okay. Because some of us follow the rules at first, (laughs) right? Because we go, all right, we need to follow the rules so that we understand the rule, and then we can learn how to break, improve, challenge, whatever the rule. At what point in your life, or maybe you don't even know this, did you say to yourself, the rules aren't working for me?
0: Mm. <laughs> okay.
1: And and I need to challenge what I was thinking about a business would look like for me.
0: Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. So, um It's funny. So, I, I don't know where I picked this up. Um in high school, I was sort of notorious for I so I've always, I've always liked I wouldn't say I've always liked to write, but um I always love to read. And eventually, that led to me always wanting to write, uh, and I got into a couple English classes in high school where I, I just kind of went on a tear, and I was writing all the time. And if I wasn't writing, I was reading other stuff to get inspired. And um, in the AP English class that I was in, uh, the uh, the teacher that I had was. This has happened a couple of times in my life. He was, um, he was, he was kind of a. He, he wasn't, like, physically rough, but he was mentally rough, <laughs> I would say. Um, like, he didn't tolerate a lot of things, and he had, he had certain standards that he wanted people to keep. I mean, he was the guy that was the only teacher that taught AP English. So we would do, like, in-class assignments as well as out-of-class assignments. And um, I, would, I wouldn't say that I did it on purpose. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bad at following directions. But I basically ignored his instructions and just wrote and I would consistently, you know, I get praise from him all the time, and uh, most of my classmates were like, "What? You didn't even do the assignment? What's wrong here? I don't understand." And uh, I was like, "I, you know, I don't know until he tells me to not do this. I'm going to keep doing it because I enjoy it, and apparently he likes it, so <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing that." Um, and I, and I that was that was interesting because I, it that could have turned me off of that path. And I think when I've strayed from that is when I've run into trouble. So I, I, when I, I like partnerships, I like at least, you know, me and somebody else or me and a small team of five to 10 people, something like that is kind of the way that I like to work. And there've been times when I've been in a team or with a partner who I inadvertently or I think it's mostly accidentally, I took on some of their characteristics for their writing style, for example, and... It felt terrible. I didn't like my own stuff. It didn't seem to work very well. And it, w- it wouldn't be until I'd left that situation. I was like, oh, why in the world did I write? Like I had a partner who had taken some law classes. And so as a result, his writing was very formal. And okay. um, to me, not, not human particularly. <laughs> so uh, when I left, I was like, why in the world did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I followed his rules, which I didn't even like. And I didn't think they worked for him. Why did I do that? Um, so that was you know that was fairly early in, in high school, and it's kind of bumped up every once in a while, as I as I look at rules, and say does that is it even worth doing it? Uh, at one point, we reported to Tom and I and, and the the group that got, got acquired by Pro Systems reported to Jim Champy. Uh, Jim Champy and Michael Hammer were famous for the business process reengineering movement in the uh, mid late eighties that that book is uh has sold millions and millions of copies uh which which must be nice i I would love to do that as well uh but michael hammer you know like his name would say you know sometimes you just have to blow things up and try again uh so there's there's been signs in my life where it's that's explicitly been said look the rules that exist maybe they're just stupid (laughs) and maybe (laughs) maybe you need to look at it and maybe It all has to go. Some of it has to go, but it's worth thinking, why do we, what are we actually trying to do instead of how do we do it right now? Because that actually opens up a totally different path.
1: I've got like 10 thoughts in my head right now. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. And then I had a brain spasm moment too. Um, (laughs) Totally admit it. I didn't eat enough chocolate this morning. Um, Uh, There you go. You, you told, you shared the story about you started writing like somebody else. Mm. And I know with my listeners that happens quite often. They feel like they need to mimic somebody because that person has had tremendous success or tremendous perceived success, right? Because mm. <laughs> in these days yep. of social media, it's not like, the way we saw success before, you knew that it was more than likely 99% true success Mm -hmm. because if it made it into certain venues that brought it to your attention, you knew that this was probably not something fake. It was harder to fake it than it is today. Now with social media, I, I happen to know very sincerely that there are a number of people out there presenting themselves as, being highly successful that are not. Mm -hmm. But people buy into it because they see all these posts and they, you know, it's like, it's not fake news, but in a way it's in inflating a moment and making it the entire thing. And then eventually it's like fake it till you make it. People buy into it and then you do have success. But if you, if there's no basis for that, then right. it will eventually fail really <laughs> yeah, well hard. Yeah, if it's all fake. <laughs> yeah, if it's all fake, if there's nothing in it. So as you've been discovering your own voice, your own writing instead of writing in legalese or whatever, Right. Um, I write for several magazines, including Podcast Magazine, and my writing style for the articles as I'm interviewing fellow podcasters in, in the technology category, is I want to find the heart of the person, the essence mm-hmm. of the person. Sure. I read other people's articles in there and in other magazines, and they write from a completely different style. And I go, Oh, I should write like that more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And then I go, No, I really like what I'm writing. And then I get a beautiful note from the person that mm-hmm. I wrote the article about and it makes me feel good. But how do you decide for yourself that this is who I am and who I want to present to the world mm-hmm. and how I know if I'm being successful for me, that was mm. a long way around to where <laughs> I was trying to get to.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, so it's funny, like with, um, with all the video stuff now so you know like so my background that's not that's not a green screen that's a real background so it's a bunch of uh, acoustic tiles to to deaden the sound uh which is a nod to um uh, when i went to college i went to berkeley college of music to study music like 24 hours a day seven days a week which was a very wild experience to uh to just live in music and of course, like a lot of people, um, you know what you study in college doesn't necessarily tie into what you actually do for a living. <laughs> and I, I can say that I, I still love music, um, but I haven't done a ton with it except for um, using the skills that I learned, uh, being in a band and getting along with different personalities, getting the best out of each other to create something that's bigger than any one person. Um, that has been sort of a, background foundation to the way that I think about assembling teams in a corporation right so how, do you, how like how do you get employee engagement to happen well you have to kind of if not like the people that you work with you have to at least appreciate what they're capable of and do what you can to bring the best out of them um, it's not hopefully as much of a firestorm as a band can be, <laughs> uh, you know, d- due to whatever issues people might be struggling with. But um, I think to me, uh, you know, you know, figuring out who you are should be a continuous journey. I don't think anybody has it figured out. And actually initially when Tom proposed the idea, we have two companies, Viventus, uh, Virtual Events as a Service and Plexicam, when he suggested that we start Viventus, I was like, OK, we've we've already done we, we did lots of events. We made millions of dollars for the company uh, running our own events. And we know about sponsorships and hotel fun and, and F&B and room blocks and all that stuff in traditional hotel events. At
1: F&B, everybody is food and beverage.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know, you should be happy. <laughs> don't, don't don't go look it up. Um, That's one of the big advantages of virtual events, by the way. There's so much stuff that is truly a nightmare uh, to coordinate for in-person, physical, real-world events, so to speak, that uh, you don't have to worry about. You have to worry about all this technology fun. And is the Internet going to hold up for me today? (laughs) But you don't have the other issues. But, um, you know, I think staying open... To opportunity. So Tom proposed, hey, let's do Viventus. We'll see where this goes. We'll be a professional event services company because we've done that. We can be MCs. We're comfortable on camera. We know what has to happen behind the scenes. That was straightforward. And then he said, um, do you want to join me with Plexicam? Because we've been testing it and just sort of playing around with it and it was not a commercial product yet. And I said, no, actually, <laughs> so I said, you know, I I buy plenty of things. You know, Amazon might as well just have a, 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 a curbside delivery at my house every day because it's happens basically every yep. day. Um, and, I, you know, I, and it turns out I'm not alone. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, I was like, I don't know anything about selling products at scale. We're, we're going to need customer service. Little did I know that I was going to be the customer service. Um you know, just and like, do we sell on Amazon or not? Because Amazon's the place to be, or is it? Uh, I was like, I, there's there's so much that I don't know. I'm not even sure where to start. Beginning to know, so I I left that alone for a couple months, and then eventually I was like, well, we're partners. We're doing the stuff all day, every day. We're talking about the the other business. Let's talk about both businesses and and push on both of them because you know, no single idea is a guarantee. Right. And that's been a constant, you know, literally every day, all the stuff that I was worried about because I didn't know about it. Yes, I have to deal with it, <laughs> but I do have a partner. It turns out that people, once they see it, we literally uh, typically get a, oh my God, it's so simple. How come nobody built this thing before? Right. Which is which is amazing. And uh, it's, uh, you know, if I hadn't been open to changing my mind about that and jumping into something that was initially, it was way too uncomfortable to like. I mean, partly, you know, starting two companies in a pandemic from scratch. <laughs> Maybe that's a lot to, to, to buy it off. So I was like, ah, let's do that one first. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if you're not open to those opportunities, then you, you, there's so much of what I've stumbled onto in my professional career, I would have never even conceived of, you know, a year before it happened or five or 10 years. I think that, that reinvention, that willingness to sort of throw away the things that, um, maybe you used to do and at one point you love to do it and then you fell out of love. And it turns out that's, uh, and now it's like your worst nightmare. <laughs> that's an opportunity to really reevaluate and try again.
1: Do you reevaluate with you and your partner? Um, and if so, how often, like mm. how, you know, you're being successful.
0: yes, um
1: and I'm not just talking business wise but also sure. success as a partnership success individually
0: hmm. yeah, I don't know um, I wouldn't say we formalize it I and mean, we do i mean the danger of having two companies is how do you how do you balance those or whatever you need to do to make them both work, <laughs> which is yeah. probably not balance um so the, the virtual events business is a much higher ticket item that's, uh, you know, it's like four to six weeks of prep to get people rehearsed and comfortable and get them the right equipment and make sure that we're helping them meet their goals. That's a very different business than selling Plexicams that start at $45 a piece up to a $135 a piece uh, for the max. Um, so it takes a very different... Like everything, the, the marketing is different, the sales are are different, the execution is, you know, the fulfillment, all that stuff is, is very different. So um, I think it, it tends to be, you know, we're, we focus on uh, on one business because all of a sudden there's a lot of activity there. So we're trying to maximize that. But we know that we can't ignore the other one. <laughs> so one of us will say, hey, remember our other business? We need to do something about that. <laughs> And uh, thankfully, there's two of us. So, I mean, if you know, one person trying to do all this would be insane, I you know, that, that's part of the reason that I don't genuinely like being a solopreneur, because I really do enjoy having somebody to bounce things off of. And that has, you know, we have some overlap and we think similar in a lot of ways, but we also have different like risk profiles um, and different opinions, different contacts, which it turns out have been uh, really important to us as we've been trying to scale up. A physical product business direct to consumer when we've never done that before. Um, Which
1: is a whole different animal than business, than B2B.
0: Yeah, so. it is, yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I like learning all this stuff, but it at times on both sides, it's, um, so we've done lots of events on the virtual event business. The technology has changed so radically in the last year. It's, um, I mean, I know broadcast professionals who have done this stuff for 40, 50 years and they're overwhelmed with all the things that have changed. So to, to drop in there as, as somebody who has not had to run a virtual event business or, a, uh, or, or, or constantly be the behind-the-scenes team for their entire career, that's been a, long, a little daunting. But it's also, back to your original question uh, you know, 10 minutes ago or so on the rules, we don't, we don't know the rules that all the broadcast professionals abide by. So in some ways that's very freeing and that gives us a chance to think of very different s- solutions to things. Like, you know, I, I have three monitors, uh, 32, 32, 27 and a 60 inch monitor, because when I'm running events, you need, you're not, you can't be there in a room and walk around and see what's going on. All of your insight into what's going on is through flat screens. Right. right. Um, and that's, uh, you know, typically in a, I mean, you would know this from from your work, um, it takes like 12, 20, 50 people in a TV station or any sort of broadcast situation to make everything come together. It's not a one person show or even a two person show. So for us to collaborate and boil that all down to just two of us running an event for somebody that normally would take 20 people you know, it's when I stop and think about it, that sounds insane, <laughs> but it's also possible now, uh, but not right. if you use the old approach.
1: All right. So so let's dive into that old approach versus new approach versus some sort of hybrid approach. Okay. You've mentioned several times your events company, the virtual events company. I know at the pre-COVID there were a number of virtual events. People were beginning to attempt to live stream events for people who couldn't travel, plus mm-hmm. to expand the, their reach, right? Because you can only right. fit so many people in a room right? and there are other people that are perfect for it, right? Plus, if you live stream it, it's all recorded as well and you get extra feedback. Right. Then COVID happened and right. every single in-person event around the world just stopped. but people still needed to get their messages out. Right. It's frightening to me, frankly, because I participated in a few virtual events and they were horribly, horribly handled, (laughs) right? Because people didn't know how to do it. And I, they, they missed the boat on how to create inclusion. Mm -hmm. And then I've been on some virtual events, um, Christine Kane, I don't know if you've heard of her. She wrote a book called The Soul-Sourced Entrepreneur. Okay. Okay. Um, I interviewed her on my show. Uh, A friend of mine, John David Mann, one of the co-authors of the Go-Giver series with Bob Burke, he's like, Laura, you need to read this book and have Christine on your show. So if a guest of mine says I need to have somebody on the show, (laughs) I, I listen, right? Yeah. There Especially if they're a dear friend, yeah. And she held her click event that used to be an in-person event, a multi-day in-person event, via Zoom. And she gave me a, a ticket to to go, and I I, I bought her book, so you also got a free thing. Now I get books for free, but some people I buy their books as well. Sure. Right. So that it gets that verified when I um, yeah, review right. them. On yep. on Amazon, just a little extra boost for people that their stuff to me is that amazing. Sure. Anyway, it was amazing, right? And she had never done it before, but somehow she and her team made breakouts that were powerful mm. and the live part. And, you know, there were baubles, but right. it was amazing. Right. From your perspective of running events like this, is there... A couple of keys that people need to think about whether their live event is got has five people on it or five thousand.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, it's funny. So um, I'll just I'll bounce back a little bit. So uh, so early in the web, uh, so like nineteen ninety eight, um, which is funny. To, to think back that far, <laughs> what what a world it Feels was like then. like forever. Yeah, that was, um, I mean, that's like the, the, the silent age <laughs> of, of the web. But um, I remember uh, that we had had a graphic designer that we brought on who was a print guy, because that's what you would be, right? <laughs> Before the web. <laughs> uh, and, you know, video wasn't really a thing yet. So he was a great print designer, but he wanted... He ended up thinking of everything on the screen had to be a square or a rectangle of some kind because that's how, you know, if you're going to do fancy layout at the time, you had to do tables. And tables, that's the only way you could try and position things in little little thumbnails, basically, so that you could assemble a bigger oh, wait, picture, yeah. right? Because sure. that's, that's the way to optimize your site at the time, which is, sounds ridiculous now. But um, I was like, you know, you can... Take you know, Photoshop existed <laughs> at that point. You could slice your your images so that you could have like, there's an oval over here, and you assembled it by putting together a bunch of rectangles. But it do- everything doesn't have to be a rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> and he never got it. Um, and I was it was amazing because he was such a good print guy, and he wouldn't think like that in print. But for some reason, he couldn't make that that jump. So I think we're we're having the same experience. With virtual events, because we're used to, you know, everybody is in a rectangle. Um, if they're in the audience, and often if they're a, a a person on a panel or something who's not currently talking, they look decidedly not enthusiastic. I will say <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, it's like how do you how do you express your face? Should I go off camera? What should I do?
0: Right. Yeah, and I think I mean you know so I haven't I haven't sat in any of the Tony Robbins events that he's done virtually. But I know a lot of people who've worked on them and uh, they put together these massive walls of like a thousand people on this huge wraparound screen. Right. And then he he runs around because he is Tony Robbins and, uh, you know, high fives everybody as he's running around. And, um, you know, we don't all have to do that. Uh, It's but you do need to do something because there's. When you're on the stage, like I miss presenting on a stage because you can, you can walk up to the edge of the stage. You can, I, I, I follow in the footsteps of Tom Peters, the business girl from, uh, X McKenzie. I
1: love Tom uh, Peters.
0: Yeah. He's, he's, he's a wild man. Uh, for people who haven't seen him present, he jumps off the stage and walks around amongst the audience, which would be terrifying these days, but. You know, when that was safe, (laughs) get right up in your face, put a microphone in your face and ask you. So what do you think about what I just said? And, you know, if you know Tom Peters, he's um, he's he's not going to get injured by anything that you say. Um, But it was a great way to like people that are sitting in the back who would normally maybe they can't even see him on the stage. He'll roam around and go talk to people and, and get feedback and a, started, a
1: nightmare for the guy who's trying to record the live event. On yes, where is yeah. he? He's like trying to catch Robin Williams, you <laughs> yeah. know, when he's on live stage. Where is he?
0: Right. Yeah. Well, that's why. That's why you got to have good camera people and, and <laughs> wireless mics. But um, you know, I've done that a lot, and it's really it's fun for the presenter. Um, you know, basically, if 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 nobody's having fun. It's never going to be fun. So somebody has to put the energy into it. And that's somebody like we're, we're all required to do. I mean, you're running everything yourself right now, right? I mean, yeah. normally, if you're a keynote speaker at a physical event, you show up. There's 10 people behind the curtain. They wire you up. They, you know, they tell you where to look when the when the camera uh, light is on, whatever. And uh, that's a lot to for. People who have never done this before to juggle. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's part of our argument is you know if you if you're on the one end you're like we got to survive we're going to do a Zoom thing and thank God Zoom exists yay okay that's you're on one end of the spectrum if you if you have a brand you're know, like we care about our brand stands for specific things we have specific values we have a specific customer experience that we always want to portray our partnership experience whatever it happens to be. And that's typically like a half million dollar hotel base event and op because those can get awfully expensive. What happened to everybody else who, who does care? They, had, they, had, they know that they have no idea how to run a successful virtual event and they don't have a half million dollar budget or anything approaching that. Right. Do they just not do anything? And, uh, you know, I've talked to plenty of people who said we're just not doing any events for initially it was three months. Oh, now it's six months. Now it's nine months. Now it's a year. Now it's a year and a half. You know, there's a reason why events work. Well, Um, and they're
1: a revenue driver for most of the, for 99% of the people who hold events, it's how they make their revenue for the year, not necessarily charging to be at the event, but maybe they're selling something or they've got sponsors or that's how they introduce the products, right?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it should, it should punctuate something. I think um, what I've seen the smartest companies do in the last year and this has been a trend that's coming for a long time. So instead of a once a year phenomenon, why shouldn't it be once a quarter? And since you, it's dramatically less expensive to do these, you can afford to do them once a quarter. You, maybe you can do them once a month and then you have a much more regular pulse on your community. Maybe it, it increases the speed at which you are innovating and bringing things to market. Um, and that all of that you know, adds to a lot more momentum than you would have had just having, I mean, it's exhausting putting on a, an in-person large, uh, you know, hotel-based yeah. event, and it takes you know six months of prep, often, and sometimes more than that. We have a client uh, who's doing an event in October. We signed that contract a, a month and a half ago. And we've been working on it. That's a little extreme, but you know, <laughs> the, they they care about the details. Um, okay.
1: So what what are you know talking about the details and and, and whatever, I mean. If somebody's thinking about it, what's the biggest thing you've learned in this last year about guiding somebody to do, to run a successful event?
0: Yeah. Was so it one
1: I, first two people like me? Look, this is a live <laughs> event, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Not as many moving pieces, but. Right. And I have a very specific focus, obviously.
0: Right. Yeah. Not
1: really an event, but yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, so, you know, getting focused on what you're trying to accomplish and then aligning everything to that. So the the goal of running an event is not just to run an event. Why are you actually doing that? Um, You know, so I like user conferences. I like supporting those because I'm a big believer in talking directly to your customers and telling their stories. Um, And it's not about your business. It's about this community. This thing is that's bigger than you for whatever organization you happen to be with. Right. Um, So we've done college graduations, for example, and it's not about us. It's not about the college per se. It's about the community of friends and family and alumni and all that that makes up the college institution. There's a reason why people want to go. You know, multiple generations of a family going to a single school. Um, You know, that experience deserves some attention and. Unless you put it, it does take significantly more effort, at least in concentration (laughs) to get the kind of engagement that you can get in an in-person setting virtually. And I do think, uh, you know, not to be completely selfish, but um, creating the Plexicam that scratched our own itch to try to get that connection to people that are on the other side of the of the lens, because it is it is decidedly not a normal everyday thing. Like you don't you know, nobody teaches you this in sixth grade. And you carry it forward as this is something I need to know how to do is, is talking to a camera, but, you know, unless you're going to be a broadcast professional and you lived in, in that environment. It's it's not normal. Right. So how can we make it as easy as possible? So part of the testing for us with Viventus, we use the early prototypes for Plexicams to send out to speakers along with a webcam, usually a Logitech of some kind, so that we could establish some level of Uh, professionalism, of the standard look that we were going to get. Everybody's in their homes, but at least we knew we had a certain angle that we could get. We could coach them on where to put their head so they have some headroom, right? Um, Which we fixed (laughs) before we got on live. And, uh, you know, and to look in the camera, right?
1: That did did make me laugh, by the way, Dan, (laughs) that I said your head's partially cut off. I'm like, he knows this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I just didn't feel like seeing the top of my head. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but that that's a piece of it right yes is you're with viventis this other portion of of what you guys all do i mean the plexicam necessity is the mother of all invention right mm, yeah it was because not everybody looks at things the same way you've learned to have to look at things
0: right yeah
1: so i i find that really interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. we talked about breaking rules, right. learning the rules to break the rules, or in some cases, you don't know what the rules are, so right. you're not <laughs> even worried about it, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yep.
1: Um, but then looking at, I'm going to guess, every event you do is what does success look like for that end client?
0: Mm-hmm. How
1: right. do we know that we're going to help them meet their expectations or exceed them? Right. Little things like realizing I need to send them cameras. Right. Because it's probably going to look really bad if somebody's camera or sound is dramatically different than everybody else's.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, to you now it's second nature, but how long did it take for you building Viventus, to realize, okay, this is our punch list?
0: Right. Yeah, so it definitely, it's um, it's similar to the kinds of things that we would have thought of for doing, you know, running our own events uh, in person in hotels or, you know, doing webinars or things or podcasts, right? You, know, you always have a checklist. Um, you know, are, are we on air <laughs> at the right time? Are the microphones unmuted? So there's a certain amount of that that carried forward from past experiences. Um, and if you recall, around this time last year, there was a huge run on any sort of equipment, whether it was a camera or a light or a laptop cables, you know, all sorts of things, yeah. uh, you know, zoom traffic. Um, they're serving like 800% more clients, uh, you know, in the last year than they did in all previous years. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's amazing that they didn't just fall completely over and, and, and what would we all be doing? Um, but you know, that. So we had a we had a certain punch list of things we knew that you know laptop cameras, as I said before they're just they're not in the right place and they're just not any good typically <laughs> it's a uh, you know it's horrible quality often, especially all the all the pc knockoffs you know there's a reason we actually had a guy from from Google and I 'd forgotten that Chromebooks existed um, the Chromebook really? cameras yeah. are terrible they're absolutely oh, they're terrible. So <laughs> And you know, it's like he—he's rep- he's a Google exec representing Google in this in this situation, and his camera was terrible. He had a window behind him that was blasting in sunlight, and he refused to to change the position that he was sitting at. I was like, "There's, I, there's only so much we can do to help you. Give the impression that I believe you want to give." if you don't do anything at all to work with me, like if, if I was there, I would have you know grabbed him and moved him, but right. I couldn't do that. He was in San Francisco and I was in Boston. So, um, you know, just simple things like that. I mean, we've all seen terrible, um, you know, webinars, calls, um, where you know, everybody's looking down because they're looking at the person on the screen and all you see are their, are their eyelids, right? And that is or not...
1: Or up their nose.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. So I, I hear that uh, sales of, of uh, nostril trimmers have gone <laughs> very high in the last year <laughs> and far less pants than usual. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't send nose hair trimmers out, but maybe we should. <laughs>
1: Or, or books to raise up somebody's monitors so that they are yeah. not have to look at the, the nasal heresy because you can't tell somebody to go grab a phone book.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um yeah, so it was, it was interesting, uh, you know, the sort of synergy between the two businesses that we've created. Um, and I do wonder, so your statement about, you know, so should you have to, should you know the rules and break them or... Um, break them because you don't know them. So you don't know that, oh, you, you would never do that for X, Y reason. Well, maybe you, you would never do that because you haven't had to do that <laughs> for a long time. And you're just so stuck in your ways that, uh, that you don't see the, the opportunity. Like, you know, all the really, uh, high quality, uh, high scale video broadcast stuff is still hideously expensive and is certainly very complicated, because they are taking, you know, what used to take 10 or 20 or 100 people. Um, I mean, look at what goes into like American Idol as a, as a production. You know, yeah,
1: that's insane.
0: That you know, it doesn't just happen. There's a lot of people behind the scenes. And now we're trying to condense all that so that, you know, a, a lot of our early customers like you are professional speakers. So they, they make their living by looking professional and being credible and looking like, you know what you're doing and, you know, that you have that connection with, with the audience. Um, Choosing not
1: to put makeup on one morning. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, we have another, uh, another fan, uh, Desiree Rose, who uh, I think she did the first unboxing uh, streaming that we had for, for anybody. So that was about a month and a half ago and she's uh, she's a riot. Um, But she says, you know, if I'm going to bother putting on makeup and getting my hair done to, to go on camera at all in a day, I'm going to be on camera a lot and do a lot of content, which is, um, which is really interesting because there's a lot of people that are terrified to ever go on camera. um, And they they would want to do as little as possible and then shut it off for as long as possible. Right. right? But uh, you know, just, you know, since we're all having the experience of having to be on camera, you might as well go good at it because it's, this is normal now, <laughs> you know. It's it's been long enough. I've done enough research and habit formation that having to do something for 15 months in a row, these are new habits. And if your habit is that you didn't care what you look like on camera and that you don't really care if you're having any interaction with the audience, then you didn't get any better at it. You were just you were present as right. a thing on screen. But um, you know, it's it's an opportunity to to get much better at presenting through uh, you know, it's a it's a very different experience. Uh, In a lot of ways, but it's still you're trying to convey something to somebody or multiple people on the other end. And that's a timeless skill, you know, influence, persuasion, communication, all that is, you know, some of the most important stuff that you could know.
1: Um, We're almost at the end of the show. So I would love (laughs) for you, number one, to share how people can get in touch with you if they have any questions about anything you asked. Um, I think it's great that you're doing Viventus in addition to everything else. We had never really talked about that before, but my research on you was showing, man, there's a lot of other <laughs> cool things that you're doing. Um, I, now, you you shared this with me before the show started about your daughter mm-hmm. who speaks or understands like 30 languages. I need to ask, is she involved with your Viventus business? Because I would think that that would be really cool to have somebody like that because, you have international events global events
0: yeah well, she's not yet i mean so she's uh, she's a sophomore in high school and um it's a pretty intense high school and it not we didn't push her into it um it's but it's uh it's associated with uh Boston University which is where my wife okay. works so there's uh, BU academy is the private high school that's attached to that and it's for um it's for people that that you know really want to Push themselves and they're constantly driven to learn. Um, yeah, her, her, her. So, so a hyperpolyglot. So a polyglot speaks many languages. A hyperpolyglot, um, it's like twenty or more languages, which I didn't even know that anybody like that existed, let alone lived in my house. <laughs> and uh, I would love to. I'm actually trying to. I have a pretty large network around the world. As I've been on LinkedIn since 2003, I believe it was end of 2003. Uh, which I thought I was late to actually, and that was the first year that LinkedIn existed. <laughs> um, so I have a lot of friends all around the world that speak all sorts of languages. And as I uncover people again, it's you know running our business,
1: right. like, hey,
0: do you want to talk to somebody from Denmark? Because you know I have like thirty people that are clients <laughs> in, in Denmark that maybe you could talk to. <laughs> and she's fluent in Chinese. Like I actually, so I have a number of of friends who live in Taiwan and Singapore and, and China, Hong Kong. And you, know, you could talk to them too, although we live in a probably half Chinese uh, neighborhood, South of Boston. So you could go next door too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the world shrunk tremendously.
0: It really has. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: so
0: so I, I did not. So if, if for folks that want to get a hold of me, so Dan at plexicam.com, if, if you don't know how to spell plexicam, Uh, there we go. Plexicam focus. There we go. Um, the Ventos is, uh, so Dan at the Ventos V E V E N T A A S. So that stands for virtual events as a service. But if you look for me on LinkedIn, you you can find all that in one place.
1: (laughs) And, um, if somebody wants to buy the Plexicam, I have a, I have a a link I can put up. We're going to get this all fixed. So, but, you can use that and it's a pain in the neck but there's um some stuff that I'm going to post up on the website for those who who want to pick up a copy of the plexicam with a little discount or something. Uh, yeah. I love it. I think it I think it's really great, Dan, what you're doing and what you're doing with the virtual event stuff Viventus. I mean, I think that You don't have to run an event yourself. And I don't know what you charge for somebody to run an event, but I've run webinars for my friend, Dina Moskowitz's company, Sazmax. Okay. Uh, You know, it's just something I do. It's, it's, I love doing it. I get to help her put on like a webinar, but it's like one or two people, right? Oh, okay. It's completely different than running an event. Right. You know, to me, a webinar event is very different from running a big event where maybe you're doing breakouts and where you've got a lot of speakers and a lot of other moving parts with people in there. I can't imagine doing that without somebody who knows what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And even then, it's a it's a fun experience to figure out. I mean, just like you said at the beginning of this. When you go live, who knows what's gonna happen? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, restreams come a really long way since I started using it with some new features. Yeah. But there's still some things that it should be a lot smoother. You know, they've got this great green room. I can bring people in and out, and right. I can use this video that was created by my my media guy, Joshua Beatty Barr. I said, can you create something so that I can bring it in? Well, I still have him do stuff in post because I'm crap at post and don't want to spend the <laughs> time learning post production, yeah, right? It's time consuming. Um, with the audio, it's easier, but with the video, it's harder. He's like, there's no fade. He goes, it's it's an immediate like boom, boom. And right. it doesn't look as nice on, right. on the video. So I still do it with post. Yeah. The audio sounds okay, but there's not a fade in or a fade out. It's end start. Right. So these products are learning and growing. I could make a choice to try to constantly stay on top of that or hire people that they love doing that and they live and breathe in that.
0: Right. And there's so much to potentially learn. It's um, so, you know, if, if I didn't accidentally fall into it and it gives me an excuse to tie in the stuff that I learned in music performance, Um, give me an excuse to buy a nice expensive camera, which I've always wanted anyhow, (laughs) put a bunch of lights in my basement and make it so my wife never wants to come down here. You know, it's, it's all good.
1: (laughs) Oh, there you go. It is now not only the man cave, but the business cave.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's very tight as it turns out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. It's so funny, but at least you have it right. Because otherwise you'd have to, uh, rent space and, Figure out how to deal with all the other sounds that were going around that you had no control over outside your space compared to that. So yeah, exactly. So last thought you'd like to leave my listeners with, Dan? Mm -hmm.
0: What would Uh, be the last thought? So, so I so uh, about a year ago, um, I started interviewing people uh, unofficially. I did I never packaged it up, but I was asking people you had plans on January one that suddenly you know in April May look very different uh did you prepare for anything even vaguely like this you know did your plans get blown away and i need to follow up with people a year later but there are a lot of companies that they they were so blindsided you know rightfully um that they just froze and they slammed on the brakes so we're going to sit this out and i'd be willing to bet that a lot of them don't exist now which is you know i'm not happy about uh, but you know freezing and not doing anything is not usually a good situation. So I've I've been talking about, what if you started creating your next future today, which is a podcast Mm -hmm. that I have proving, um, and I'm gonna start up shortly. Um, You know, the the saying that, you know, uh, planting a tree 20 years ago or a hundred years ago was the best time to plant it, the next time is right now, (laughs) because you can't go back. If you had a time machine, that's not what you would do with it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You'd do something more interesting probably. But, you know, you need to be constantly thinking about um, what are what are your options and and how could I react to something that might come along that could derail me. And so being open to opportunity when it presents itself or grabbing onto an opportunity when you see it, if it's not just presented to you, I think is a very wise thing. And it's not too late to do that because every day is a brand new day. I
1: love that. A perfect way to end the show. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Dan, and for inventing Plexicam because I loved it.
0: Good. (laughs) Let's get more people.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thanks Thanks again. Thanks for having me on. Everybody, I, I love being able to introduce you to amazing people and to new products because it's something I'm using and I love it. And it's simple. I love learning new things. And I love introducing things that are simple and using things that are simple that don't require me to have to completely change everything that I'm doing because mini steps, baby steps, all help you improve the process. Dan is somebody that I met through somebody else. You probably know people That you can introduce to other people to help them learn and help them grow and explore new things and maybe help them let go of something that they no longer need to hold on to. That's what this show is all about. If you have a question about this show, or you need some help with anything, in case of planning an event or improving your video, you know Dan Kelson is Kelson is somebody that you can totally reach out to. If I can help you with your business, if you need some advice on something, please reach out to me on social media or laura at laurastewart.com. I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. This is what I do with my life is to help people learn and grow and improve to succeed in ways that they never imagined before. And I do that through the use of questions. Because remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone.
0: You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at it's all about the and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions
1: starting today.